Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, founder of Megan Hall Motivation. I motivate and inspire women to create their own version of a thriving life. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Don't forget to join our virtual community on Facebook, the Inspire Women Community. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Hi, my name is Megan Hall, founder of Megan Hall Motivation, and today I'm here with Shauna Beckman, and she is a Midwest native, which is different for me because I'm from the East Coast. So I'm, you know, I'm like East Coast girl. I've never been anywhere else in my entire <laughs> life. So Midwest, that's awesome. And and recent transplant to the East Coast. So welcome, welcome. <laughs> it must be a little bit different for you than it was Midwest. Oh my gosh, totally different. <laughs> it's very different. A bit of a culture shock. Um, she had ovarian cancer at 21 and would go and went on to have four children in less than five years. Woo! And is currently expecting her fifth. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I didn't even know that. Um, she's been married for nine years while her husband studies mosquito sperm at Yale. That's that I want to hear more about. Yeah. <laughs> She's been working since the age of 12 and after working in the tissue donation industry after college, started a series of businesses and hasn't looked back. So Shauna, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh my gosh. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I'm so excited to talk with you and be here for sure. Well, Shauna was one of the people that applied because we do have a part of our website where people can apply to be featured on the um, podcast and she applied and I'm very stringent about like who's going to come on and who's not going to come on because this is my, this is my baby. I'm protective of this space. Yeah. And sometimes like when people say stuff, it's not the fact that I don't like them or I don't think they have a, a you know, good story to, to share, but the way they fill it out, it seems like they just want to sell we're not here to sell we're here to share so absolutely i'm so excited to hear first i want to ask you like what is up with the mosquito sperm because right yeah and it was sort of random he um my husband was pre-med and at the time in college in our undergrad he was in a mosquito lab just trying to get like research experience which is really good for med school and he didn't get into med school and they were like well you should actually apply for the entomology program here and we were like, well, what the heck is entomology, right? Like, we didn't, like, really know. And so it actually turned into something really promising and, like, really a great fit for him. So basically, mosquitoes carry, like, this bacteria that affects their reproduction and how, like, infected mosquitoes produce or how infected mosquitoes uh, breed with non-infected mosquitoes, they can produce sterile offspring. And nobody knows, like, why this mechanism exists. And so in theory is if you can discover, like, what that mechanism is, you can manipulate that in the lab and then release mosquitoes to drive down disease, which mosquitoes kill more people than any other thing on the planet. So his research over the last, like, eight or nine years has really been focused on that mechanism, which they've discovered that, which is really cool. So... Now it's like, now it's like more stuff, right? Now it just leads to more questions. Like, okay, so we figured out the mechanism, which is what his research is based on. But like, what does that mean? Right? It just leads to more questions. So it's kind of cool. I'm down <laughs> a little for, nerdy. I'm down for the mosquito reduction. Like it's already ridiculous in my backyard. And the problem is I live in a city, so I can have them come spray. But you know what? In a couple of weeks, I'm going to have the mosquitoes in my backyard again. 
So my yeah. kids are like bit up like all over the place and people are always like, well, try this and try this and try this essential oil. I'm like, I spray them with everything and the mosquitoes just love them. Yeah. So hopefully they don't get sick, but I can't keep them inside forever. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, they are actually really gross. Like they really carry like disease and like nasty things that will really, really hurt people. And they do. Like I said, they kill more people than anything else on the planet. And it's kind of cool that he gets to be in the forefront of that research, like, you know, manipulating mosquito reproduction to help help to really help people. So I think he's probably often overlooked as well. Like people aren't even thinking about these scientists that are working on like, how can we reduce the mosquito population? People are just like, I hate mosquitoes. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's sort of the thing. Like they, um, it's not really like an American problem. You know what I mean? Like people really don't die here from mosquito borne diseases, but like other places, like they do a lot. So yeah, it's just not even on our radar at all. No. So I, the reason I wanted you to come on is because as you know, as somebody who's familiar with the podcast is we like to share stories that are relevant to today's modern woman, because a lot of times we feel alone and we don't feel connected. And like, we're the only people going through this. And I know that we have people who follow the podcast who may have actually, you know, experienced having ovarian cancer or somebody in their life has. And it is a, a woman problem. Like guys don't have ovaries. They can't. <laughs> it's yeah. not possible. So I want to ask you, like, how, how did you feel when you found out about that diagnosis? Like, how did that, like, what was the first thing that came to your mind? I mean, you're well, 21, so you were really young. Yeah, abso- absolutely. I um. I had, I had graduated college a year early and I had just started my first job and I was literally like three weeks into my first job ever. And I had this weird bloating that I never felt sick. I never felt like limited or felt funny at all. But when I would lay down, my stomach would bloat very heavily on one side, like a balloon. And it only mm-hmm. happened when I lay down and it was like very lopsided and just totally protruding from my belly. And I called the doctor and I thought it might just be like, cause I couldn't take off time, right? From work. Yeah. Cause I literally had just started. And, um, I thought that they'd be able to prescribe me some like IBS pills over the phone. Like I thought it was just like some weird, like, like bloating, like, like female bloating type issues. And they're like, no, no, no. If it's, if it's like your appendix, like you need to come in right away. So like, I had to go to my boss and be like, I have to go in. Like, it's really weird. And literally within like a week I was having massive surgery where they took out my right ovary and part of the left and then like lymph my appendix and like a couple other things but totally crazy and it was so surreal like so we so I go you know they go in they're like oh we need to have surgery right away and um they wheel me back into the because they didn't know exactly how bad it was until um after they would have until I would have surgery yeah and they said that the right ovary had a tumor the size of a grapefruit and the left one had the size of a lime so they said you know if you were any older we would have taken everything but you were like only 21 right Mm -hmm. and at the time my my you know my fiance we were waiting to get we were waiting to get married until we were kind of we were ready to have a family and so we were sort of in this in-between stage of like trying to get out of school and like start saving some money and then get married and um they said when they wheeled me back in from the hot, from the, from the, what is it? From the surgery, they said, if you want to have children, like you need to have them right now. Wow. So we got 
it, yeah, totally crazy. Like, which was okay. Like we knew we wanted a big family that was always important to us. So we literally got married within three months from like that day. Mm -hmm. And we would spend like the next two years trying to have a baby. And we were just like, we you know we met with like a fertility person a couple times. They were like, oh my gosh, like there's so much pressure. Like, what do we do? What if it's just us? Like, you know, it's really scary. It's just yeah. sort of like, like you said, like you just sort of feel like I'm 21. I have one portion of an ovary. And like this idea of us having a big family is like never going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had to have been really hard for you, especially considering, you know, like you said, you had plans. See, I was one of those people I never wanted to have kids. So, sure. um, <laughs> you, so I was just, you know. Um, that surprises me because you're so natural. You're such a natural mom. Like, uh, you thank just, you. Like, you got this great family and this I learned well, I mean, you fit into your role but yeah I learned along the way I think being a mom at 16 kind of like pushed me in that role real fast yeah. uh, but it was gonna be Carmel and I against the world forever and then Lillian's dad wasn't supposed to be able to have kids and ta-da she came along <laughs> and then I met my husband and he's like I'd love to have kids of my own but if not I'll still love you and I'll still love your kids and they'll be my kids they'll be great I'm like oh sure. but you're so nice let's just try for <laughs> one and we got twins and I'm just like oh okay but yeah, I didn't, so I can imagine as somebody who always wanted to have a big family, that had to have been quite the blow to you. And especially having to spend two years trying to have a baby. I know a lot of women struggle with infertility. Like what was going through your head at that time? It's it's weird for me to talk about because yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like there's women out there who struggle like for a decade, you know, mm -hmm. much, much longer and much deeper pain than I could ever experience. But like every single month you literally think this is the month. Like my boobs are just a little bit. I'm slightly bloated. Like I'm a little crabby. And so like you take every sort of symptom and you think this is the month and you like you try to stay cool, but you literally can't. And then you get your period and it's like just completely devastating. And so like, it's like that literally every yeah. single month for, you know, for till the baby comes or if you're, if you even get that far. I, I know uh, a woman who struggled, yeah, for quite a few years to, and when she did, she was so excited. She was so over the moon. Like I worked with her when I was a beach body coach and she <laughs> was just like, I remember she sent me that message. She's like, I know we don't talk a lot, but I just wanted you to know that I found out I'm pregnant. And I was just like, <gasps> all the feels, all the feels, because I'm like, I celebrate having my period every month because I'm like, I'm not pregnant, Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm fixed anyways. It's just that kind of like internal, like, okay, please. Um, because I remember like when I got pregnant with Carmel, that it was the missed period where I was like, I'm, I think I'm pregnant. Sure. Oh my God. I'm 16 years old. Um, so what, what were you feeling when you, when you first like had that first baby, like the first time that that period didn't come and you were like, what were you feeling? Oh my yeah, Amazing. Like it was, it was totally, it, it was like surreal. It's really surreal. Like you just sort of like are waiting for it to happen and then like it happens and it's just like then all of a sudden you feel like oh my gosh like am I possibly ready you know what I mean it's sort yeah. of like ebbs and flows like where you like you want something so bad and then you get it and you're just like oh man like is this the best I is this the best thing like maybe we were okay with just the two of us you know what I mean so it's like yeah. you never fully know like what you really want I sometimes feel like you know like you don't really know what you want until you have it so I 
I think as parents, sometimes we just like, we have no idea, you know, and then you spend those nine months or, you know, 10 months, whatever they say, say actually 10 months uh, pregnant. And you're just like, okay, this is this weird. I have this, this person that's like inside of me. And then you actually give birth and they give you that baby for the first time. You're like, um, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Help me, please. So did you guys plan on having um, the kiddos back to back to back? No. Well, then, so then we had Jane and we knew we, like I said, we, we wanted to at least have another. Right. And so. Um, it took us about a year and a half to have Elaine. So we started pretty okay. soon right after Jane. And so it took took almost two years to have Elaine. And then, um, yeah, and even then we were like, wow, like maybe, maybe it's just going to be the three of us, right? Me, John, and the first baby. And then the second baby came after trying for a while. And then I got my period one time and we had the third baby. And we're like, wow. oh my gosh. Okay, like that was really fast. Well... Then the same thing happened with the fourth baby. We were like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Like, so it wasn't like we were not trying, but it just sort of like happened. And it, mm-hmm. and we were okay with that. But it was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. <laughs> so so many. And then, and then we were like, okay, because like now we're like really tapped out. Car, house, money, everything. We you know we're moving and we don't, we're rent, well, we're renting now. So we don't quite have like roots established, which is also important to us. So we're like, okay, well, maybe we can like slow down a little bit. Um, and then we waited until the baby, the little baby was um, like a year. And then we got pregnant again with the fifth one, which is, like I said, like it, it just doesn't make sense because it took us so long to have the first and then to have all of a sudden like, five in less than you know seven years is crazy like I like how does that happen like like it's so bizarre to think we were crying at the fertility specialist office or whatever like thinking we were never gonna have a baby and now we just have like this pack it's just and it's like a party that follows us everywhere it's totally bizarre well I don't know about you but I find the more you have um it's actually kind of less work because they entertain each other they do. They start running together at a certain point where it's just like, uh, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm sort of bored sitting here, you know? <laughs> like baby one, I was like, well, this is a lot of work. And then Lillian came and there's a heck of a space between Lillian and Carmel, like seven years. Yeah. Um, but she came and there's still a lot of work. It might have been the space, you know, and, you know, but then the twins came and Lillian and, 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 and the twins, they're like a whole group. Like they just yep. hang out and, and I don't even have to like mom most of the time because there's... <laughs> do all of it so I imagine that you probably get the same kind of questions I do with the big family like are you done like why are you still having more or you know those very um personal questions and yours are close together so you probably get similar questions as I do with twins like are they natural like those (laughs) questions that you're like dude seriously did you have did you have a c-section like that's none of your damn business can you please stop asking me questions do you get those kind of questions too yeah, I, we get a lot of, are you done? Oh, my gosh. How, like, like you know, since they're close together, like, is that what you wanted? It just, like, really sort of, like, it's like, I don't even know you. <laughs> you know, like, who, oh, there was there was one time we were waiting for the, we were picking up my daughter, my oldest daughter from school, and one lady who I'd never met before had made this offhanded comment about how she's glad she's not me, like, as I pull up with, like, two, you know, two of the littles, and I was like, really like and it's not even strange like me and my husband both come from a family of five so like 
four kids, I mean, I know even though now that we're expecting our fifth, like even four kids, like is not that big of a, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not that big of a deal. And so it's just totally bizarre. Like the offhanded comments and like, I don't know, you know? I, yeah. It's just totally bizarre. It's like, get out of my uterus now. Like <laughs> it's none of your business. Like, go. Oh, I like, I hate that because I actually like you, I know, or I know lots of women that struggle with infertility and that's how they got twins. So I was in a twin mom group and they would get like so upset because they struggled so much when somebody says, are they natural? And you're like, are you trying to tell me that because I had infertility treatments that my sure. babies aren't natural? Like what kind of question is that? Or they, people ask me, did you have them naturally or did you have a C-section? Like, how is that in your business? Like how I had this baby? What does it matter? I had babies. Right. Well, like, what kind of question is that? Like, what, like, w yeah, like, it, like, the question doesn't even make sense. Like, like, of course they're natural. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I understand what you're saying for sure. Of course they're mine. They're mine. Just leave them alone. Leave all my babies alone. I feel like, you know, if you can afford your babies, have as many babies as you want. Like, think about like, 18 kids and counting. Like, God bless her. Like, that's what I have to say. Like, hallelujah. I don't know if. I could handle that. I mean, I had to have C-sections with all mine, so I literally physically could not handle that. I would not survive that. But sure. yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. So how are things going now? Like, is the cancer gone? Like, what's going on with that? Like, yeah, what, so what do you have to do now? Yeah, so basically, um, now I'm, I'm 30 now, and so it was a long time ago. And so, like, for the first, like, two years, I was seeing pretty regularly and then it sort of stretches out like until you hit like year five and then after year five you're like pretty much okay so I haven't had to like go back in or had any sort of weird pain since then so awesome well that's good I'm so happy to hear that that's amazing yeah thank you yeah it's yeah it was scary you know like like I said it it was such a it happened so fast and so quick that like I feel weird even telling people it because there's so many people in my circle who struggle with breast cancer or like lots mm -hmm. of fertility. And it's like, we like bare, we like narrow, we got in and we got out and it was over. And so, yeah. um, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, there's, like I said, there's just people out there who struggle and struggle with it on a such deeper level that we feel really fortunate that it was just like in and out as quickly as possible. So and like I said, we got, we got married really fast because of it. And I, you know, that, that it turned out to be really good for us. So, yeah. well, there's, there's, a, and it's hard when you're in it to like find the lesson or find like what's going on. Uh, but there's always something that I tell my clients is that you can take away from every adversity. Like, I'm not saying it's meant to be, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say there's always something that they're there for you to take away from every adversity. And hard is hard. You went through it. doesn't matter if you didn't have as big of a struggle as somebody else. Like, own it. Be like, okay, went through this. This That's is part true. of my story. You're right. That's totally true. And I think you said, you know, and it's so funny that there's a woman in my life who I really look up to and she always tells me that you can do hard things and you had had that written on a shirt the other day. My daughter's shirt, yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's totally bizarre because yeah, that's just like, that's like a little mantra. Like that's just something that always in the back of my heart or in the back of my head is just like, you can do hard things, you know, and like with the cancer and with all the kids and with moving across country, it's just like, like I always tell myself that, like it's just a really good affirmation for me that I can do hard things and you can come out of them on the other side. So I want to ask you, you just mentioned moving cross country. Like how was that experience for you? Because some people listening may have never experienced that. I'm a military spouse. So I've, I've experienced yeah. moving, just not across country. I was in upstate New York and I moved down to Virginia and 
is definitely not the same kind of place because like Canada, that's where I'm from. <laughs> so like oh. way up there and it's like small town. So what was your experience moving? Like, you know, how did that feel? Like, what were you going through? It's, it was really, really hard for like the first year and a half because, um, my husband and I are both from the same town. Um, our, all of our families there, we went to college there. We bought our first house there and we were pregnant with the third baby who would be delivered, you know, across the country. And so we were moving with two little kids. We were moving across country with this, with this family who was expecting their third baby. And we had a hundred pound Newfoundland. And so we moved to Connecticut, you know, on the East coast, we're like, they're not the most family friendly. They like, they like it was almost impossible to convince them that, hey, like we have three kids, we have this hundred pound dog and to get like the same price of what we were paying for like our house in Minneapolis was just totally different. Like what we paid for our three bedroom house. And oh, that was the other thing is we're such a young family, right? So like yeah. we got married when we were 21. My husband's in school. Like we had all these kids back to back. We like don't have any money. You know what I mean? Like we, we're not at like this pinnacle of our career, like have lots of savings. So, like everything is just always sort of pinching pennies. And so we were living in our three bedroom house in Minneapolis. And when we moved across the country, like we could literally only afford like a teeny tiny apartment. Mm -hmm. And it like in like the worst neighborhood of our state. And so here we are like as this family, like nobody will take our dog. Then she's a very well-behaved dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it was like when we told the the people here that we had this dog, like there was literally nowhere to live. But in Minnesota, like if we didn't offer our house up for rent without the option of people to bring their dog, it's like backwards. Like you literally can't rent out your place. Like, does that make sense? So like, yeah. it like culturally, like it's just so different. And so yeah, it took a, it was really hard. Cause like I said, we had the third baby as soon as we got here, then the fourth baby came, you know, within the next 16 months and you, we had literally have no family. I mean, you might know what that's like, like mm -hmm. moving all the time, but this was like the first real, really hard move, especially with my husband who was like, he sort of thinks he's in the NFL draft for science. So like, he's like sort of pumping out all this work and he's got to work all the time. This is one big shot. And so it was really hard and you and that and um not to keep blabbing too but like making friends takes a long time and when you yes. have all you have four kids it's like you literally can't go out and they're all under five you know and it's like you're basically tied to their schedule until like they just get a little bit older and then like there's more flexibility but like mm. I could I couldn't do anything and I'm such a I love my friends. I love my state. I love my hometown. Like I love all of that. And so it was just really hard to like get to a place where I was like, okay, I'm finally comfortable here. Like I finally like the people here. Like I've got some friends, like the kids can go outside now. And so like the season of life, just if you can hang on, like it will change again, you know? Yeah. No, that's exactly my experience when I moved down here from New York because I literally grew up in upstate New York. I <laughs> didn't live there for maybe like, I think four years of my, or five years of my entire life. Like I moved down here when I was 24, 25. Um, so like six years ago, six, six years ago, I moved down here and I'm getting ready to turn 31. And so I spent majority 20, over 20 years of my life in upstate New York. And then I moved down here. I have no friends. <laughs> I find I'm pregnant with twins. I have a two year old and then I have a nine year old. 
Like, yep. it was just so hard. It was so hard to make new friends. And then, of course, at the time, I struggled a lot. Anybody that follows my story knows I struggled a lot with, you know, tr- just wanting to fit in. So I was, like, in desperation mode. And I would, you know, be ridiculous about it. Um, and I didn't even know who I was. And I was just, to me, I was just a mom. And I was just a wife. And I just struggled so hard to, to and finally, now I feel comfortable with myself. And my, my kids are old enough that I'm just like, yeah, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is, if you don't like me, that's fine. And, and I can usually tell because I'm a little much for people. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, when you know, when I moved out here, I, I literally had no idea that, like, people live in New York, like families, like there's, we have this friend who like grew up there and has three brothers. And I'm like, like families live in New York. Like I just, I had no idea. And then they're like, yeah, like the upstate New York is sort of like, Minnesota, and I was like, no way. Like it is all about like that, the Times Square, like the central, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the central hub. I thought that was all sort of like New York. I had no idea that like real people, like, like families live there. It was totally crazy. It was, well, I tell people, like, New York City should really be its own state because it's two completely different. It's like, once you leave the city area, like, it's a completely different area of New York. Like, we are more like Minnesota. Like, when you were explaining, like, you kind of have to accept dogs. Like, generally, you're going to find places that accept dogs in upstate New York. You are because people have families. And I grew up on 50 acres of land. Like, yeah, totally blew my mind. (laughs) It does, though, because you just don't know. Because, you know, when you hear New York, you hear New York City. And I'm like, no, that doesn't even exist in my head. Like, that's not the real New York. The real New York's where I'm from. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. So when you ended up moving and having the kids and the family, like, how do you feel like like where what in the process actually felt easier for you so you said like once I got a little bit older like you started to feel more comfortable like what was that happening in your life were you oh that was you know after I had my big old uh tried to commit suicide and like end everything I just started taking care of myself like physically mentally emotionally and you talked about that all the time. All yeah. I, I, I just did a Facebook Live right before I got on with you on my <laughs> on Megan Hall Motivation. It was just like talking about the word hustle and how, you know, people t- take it to mean like they have to sacrifice everything to get what they want. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not right. Like, that's not okay. Like, you're going to burn out and you're going to ruin every other piece of your life by doing that. So I know you're a business owner as well. Um, and actually that's how we connected. We connected on a mom's group, right? On Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so with the kids and everything that you have going on and your husband, um, working so much to like get this done, like he's the, like you said, the NFL. (laughs) That's so funny. I love that part. Uh, where, where do you find the biggest struggle with running your business? It sort of feels like it's like there's never enough. Like there's just it feels like when you're running a business with like this fa- like this this big family, like it literally feels like I'm I'm running through the mud. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I never can get the results fast. And and you know, businesses take time. Like they naturally take time to like grow your fruit and like see the results of your business. And so I I logically know that but on top of like having a family taking care of them, like I can never get there fast enough. And so it's really hard to know that like, okay, if I can at least consistently show up, even if it's for like three or four hours or, you know, maybe an hour and a half, like that's better than not doing anything at all. So, um, 
that's just as somebody who's very results driven, it's just like, it's just never enough. You know what I mean? Like the results are just never enough. And it's hard because like you said, like the hustle will sort of eat away at you and ruin everything else in the process that, because this is the life that we want, right? Like we yeah. wanted this big family. We wanted all these kids. And so it's sort of like hard to just like, okay, I'm going to ruin all the good things in my life. If I just like burn myself out doing all this hustle, if I don't like recognize that it's it like, it's going to be a season. It's going to change yeah. again. It's like this desperation sort of like when you have a family to take care of and you're like, yes, my spouse makes money, but I also need to be bringing in something to help pay off all this debt and all these bills. It's like this desperation. I got called out on it at the Modern Femme convention this last weekend. I worked with um, an emotional kinesiologist and she was just like, I'm like, okay, okay, she's telling me all this stuff about my life. And I'm like, that's, I, I own that. Yes, I'm glad we're working through this, but how is this affecting my business? <laughs> and she was just like, oh my gosh, like how long have you been in business? I'm like, well, technically, I mean, I guess since October, because I got my first client in October and that's when I, you know, technically started like yeah. trying to like, you know, coach and speak and do all of that. And she's like, so you've been in business for less than a year and you're sitting here like with this desperation about how like, but how do I get more clients? And I'm just like, yeah, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense like that. You know, it takes a little while and people, you know, forget about that. But it's that desperation when you have a family, you're like, but I need to be bringing in money and I can't be spending all my spouse's money to help with this business. So, yeah, yeah. I feel you on that. I feel you on that really hard. Um, so we are uh, running low on time um and i could sit here and talk with you forever because this is so so amazing (laughs) and i hope that our audience will take this away that you know you went through some adversity but you didn't allow it to stop you from reaching for your dreams like you wanted a big family you worked towards that big family and you know now you guys are making it work you moved from the midwest to the east coast but you're making it work and it may not be happening in the same time frame that you want it to happen but (laughs) it's happening yeah Um, it is definitely so uh, I'm going to follow up with our, our final five questions. And so what does authenticity mean to you? I know it's a buzzword, but I feel like if it's used in the right con- connotation or context or whatever, that it's a really powerful word. I feel like when people are authentic, it allows me to be more of myself. What does authenticity mean to you? What does authenticity mean to me? It means... Yeah. Showing up 100% as myself all the time, not just, and and I'm going to steal this from a podcast guest that I just interviewed yesterday, not just when you're in public, but in private too, that that's who you are no matter what. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think authenticity for me means something very similar, but like it goes a little bit further where like authenticity inspires like other people to be their self. So like, you're not just Mm -hmm. like being authentic, like authentic to be like a jerk but like that it really moves people to figure out like is this like how I really want to be is this how I really truly am and I think that's what authenticity means to me I like that one girl used the hashtag for me sunshine and glitter oh she she met me she met me this weekend and she was like she's like I I really love meeting you whatever and she's like hashtag sunshine and glitter and I was like but that's who I am like yeah I can totally see it Like, I'm glad that came up for her because that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that's the sort of thing is like when you leave people, they will be able to describe you the way that 
that you believe that they should describe you. Like Ooh, if that makes any sense. I love that. Yeah. So like you're leaving an impression that gives them like like an actual word or like an actual feeling where they say she is this or she is that and it matches, yeah. right? Like it matches with who you really are. Ooh, I like that one. I mean, of course, like people who don't like sunshine and glitter and it might rub them the wrong way, might not. They might, uh, what was <laughs> it? Somebody described me as, and I was like, oh, yes, you meant that as a compliment, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and it was something like about my bubbly personality or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll deal with it. I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I can deal with that. Um, so what is one way that you make time for self-care? Um... We, it's so funny because when you have a, like, like I said, like when you have this big family and you don't have a lot of money, everybody's like, oh, go get your nails done. And it's like, I don't have any money. Like I don't have a babysitter. I don't have any money. So it, it took me a long time to start implementing like a regular date night. And so now every third, it literally, it took a couple of years, but now John and I have a regular date night that we do every single Thursday. And it's, it's totally worth it. Um, it just took a little while to get it just took a little while to get there but yeah that's one way that i feel like it it you know it helps our relationship but it like really helps me too like take better care of myself because it's an important part of my life that just is often neglected you know i love that and i think with the thing that holds people back from um implementing a self-care routine is is money and it doesn't have to be expensive it doesn't have to be expensive um, there's so much, so many free ways to, I mean, think of YouTube videos out there that teach you all sorts of kind of stuff. Like there's so many free yeah. ways to be able to get in self-care. Um, and then, you know, time. And again, like it doesn't have to be time intensive. You don't have to spend five hours a day. I don't have five hours a day to spend on self-care. You know, it could be having a date night or hang out with your friends or, you know, I'm going to go take a bath tonight because baths are free. I mean, except, I mean, I have to pay for water here, but still it's sort of free. <laughs> And then, you know, those sort of things where, you know, these things hold us back from and oh, we don't know where to start. And like, just yeah. start, just start doing something for yourself. The, what gives you energy that's most important is do the things that give you energy. So I love that that is, you know, date night for you, because that's something people don't think of. They think they have to work out and eat right. And that's self care. I'm like, no, yeah. there's so much more. <laughs> so that's much the other more. thing is like, when when I became so like, you know, my previous life before all of the kids too, like, my, like, I would say, like, my self-care routine is, like, like, sitting and watching TV for, like, four hours. Yeah. Like, that that would be amazing. But, like, you, you mentally have to start shifting your, your brain to think, okay, like, yeah, I don't have four hours. So, like, how can I really utilize 15 minutes? And it feels mm -hmm. like you're, like, cutting yourself short. But, like, like, you need those 15 minutes, even yeah. if that's all you can get. So, like, yeah, you really have to shift, like, your mindset of, like, okay, like, I, this is all I've got and I'm going to give myself what I've got, you know? I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, so what is one tip that you have for creating positive relationships? And this could just, it could be any kind of relationship. It doesn't just have to be marriage. It could be friendship. Yeah. It can be whatever. I like to make sure that, um, when I'm inviting people, I like to invite people over to my home because I feel like I do a really good job of making them comfortable. Like I, my mm. family's always like, oh, let's sit at the table and we'll talk and here's iced tea and we'll sit on the patio. And like, I feel like I'm really good at that part of creating positive relationships where like people feel like when they're here, it's their own home. Like they can go in the fridge, they can, you know, help themselves to whatever they need. And so 
that's really important to me in creating positive relationships because I feel like the more comfortable people are, like the more comfortable they are with you and then it creates really good rapport and then like loyalty and um, that's what I like to do. I like to make people feel really comfortable in my home and like very like hospitable, if that makes sense. Yes, no, it totally does. And if my home was a little bit bigger, yeah. I totally do that too. <laughs> like we have six of us living in like a 1200 square foot house. So it's quite tiny as it is I told my husband I'm like I can't wait for us to have a bigger house I'm like I'll be inviting people over all the time and his yeah. little introvert self is like what people <laughs> what like you know it's gonna happen like you can't marry somebody like me and and not know that that's not gonna, not gonna happen yeah. eventually um so what is one struggle that you have as a modern woman one struggle I, I this is actually interesting because I just told my friend this the other day like even with all the stuff, like all the kids and all the technology, you know, I've got meal delivery service and like, you know, we've got date night. Like sometimes I still feel really, really bored. Like my life is good. My life is crazy. Like I literally can't add another thing, but like sometimes I just feel so bored. And like, I feel like a lot of it is realizing like, a lot of us are actually like really lonely people and we are looking for people to make us happy, but like that, like they never will because they're also other lonely people. And so I feel like really finding out like, like letting them off the hook and giving yourself some space to actually find out, okay, like what actually would not make my, like what can I do to make my life not boring, right? That isn't relying yeah. on other people. Like, is such a struggle for me because I'm such an ex, I am an extrovert too. Like I need people to make me happy. And so like when my family isn't, it's very weird. It's like this very weird dilemma where it's like, I have, like, I have such a great life and I have all these tools and resources, but like, I'm still bored. You know what I mean? And so like finding yeah. out what it is, I think is a really interesting thing for me to struggle with right now. I started hosting local meetups in my area because I was like, I just want a way to connect with other women and I don't want it to be a networking thing because I, I love networking. It's great, but yeah. there's always that expectation. Like, what are your goals? Like, what are you working for? What do you do? Like, <laughs> can I just have a way to connect with other women on a regular basis so that I can feel like, wow, I'm really connected and I'm meeting new people and I'm going out and doing things and it makes my little extroverted heart very happy. But then again, yeah. I'm, I, you know, there's not like these expectations of what, how I need to show up or what I need to do or that I need to have this prepared. I can just like simply come and have conversations. So that's why I've been, and if anybody's in the Hampton Roads area, you can find it under um, Megan Hall Motivations Facebook page. Just click events. I think it's under the Inspired Women Facebook page now too, because I have them linked and I was like, I'm just blending them all together. Uh, so yeah, it, like that sort of thing is that I get you that because I was the same way. I'm like, I'm in my house, like I'm working, but I don't have like this little extra excitement. And that gives it to me. And I'm like, yay, this is fun. You, yeah. It's, I totally believe it because yeah, it, it easily becomes like your life is never done. Like all the kids and all the family stuff, like there, it's just, there, there's never an end point. Like you never get to say, oh, I did that. Or like, it's just it just never ends. And then it's like, well, work is great. And I love my job, but it's like, that also never ends. Like I like, like seriously, like, and they're both exciting. Right. But like, what is the one thing that really sparks you? Or like, what is something that you can do like outside of like the mundane sort of routine? 
Yes, yes. I love it. Maybe you can do that too. Just have like a yeah. mommy meetup so you can bring the babies. <laughs> I will. That's a really great idea. I'll I have a non-mommy meetup. Not that mommies aren't allowed because I am one, but it's like, don't bring your kids because I need a break from mine. <laughs> but mine are older. So I have that like, you know, sure. I mean, my oldest daughter's 14. She babysits for us if my husband's not home. So, I mean, she's at that age where she can do that and it's, you know, it works. But I have people be like, oh, it's so nice and so convenient for you that you have a babysitter. I'm like, I earned that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a mom for 14 years, man. I earned that. That is so true. Um, so our final question is, what is one motto that you live by? I would go back to the you can do hard things. Mm. I think that's a really great model and I think that it's really it inspires me and I know that it can help a lot of women too and it was so crazy seeing like I said so crazy seeing your daughter in that shirt the other day I was like oh my gosh that at least it it works for me it totally works for me yes and I picked uh, I we did a photo shoot so anybody that follows me on social media the pictures we slowly leaked out uh my photographers on vacation um actually Jules who was co-hosting the podcast with me she's on vacation so she's gonna edit the rest of them when she gets back she took like 600 pictures so like wow I'm like I don't expect to get 600 back but she took like 600 pictures and I made sure everybody there because I love motivational shirts like I have a closet full of them (laughs) um and I made sure everybody there had shirts that represented them so my daughter right now she's a teenager and she's really like struggling with self-identity and self-love and hormones and wanting to kill her mom and you know all that good stuff so I thought that was perfect for her that you can do hard things because that's something like I'm constantly having to remind her like I've been through this like actually when I was your age I was going through some other stuff my parents were divorcing like all of this stuff like you can do this our son got hug dealer because he tells people he deals hugs, not drugs. So, <laughs> he's so cute. He does. He hugs everybody, like hugs strangers in the store, you know, everybody. Um, sure. Our middle daughter uh, got happiest. Happy girls are the prettiest because she's always like bubbly and she's got the curls so and she's cute. so freaking cute. Um, our littlest daughter got, uh, though she be little, be but little, she is fierce because she is tiny 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 like they're preemies and she's the tiniest one in her class but she is a fierce child like fierce and my husband said said something about um being yourself I don't remember exactly what it said um like nobody else can be you but you or something and I'm like I feel like that's good for him because he totally you know rocks his introverted self and you know he'll tell he won't pretend to be something he's not when we go out in public he'll just be like yeah I like video games and I'm a nerd so it's all good (laughs) and mine mine says be kind because you know I'm all about that so yeah Yeah. I feel like those kind of things um are really good and if any if you want that shirt it's sense of style is where I got it oh I'll look into it yeah that's like the money sense um their shirts are pretty awesome that's pretty much all the ones I own are, are from them yeah But I mean, it's true. Like, you know, after everything you've been through, that's a great motto because when you're in that like down in the dirt, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can take one more day of this. Like, I can do hard things. Yeah. I've got this. Oh, Shauna, I've loved having you on the podcast. And, um, you know, everybody come join the Inspired Women community. Just search for it on Facebook. I'm going to get Shauna in there and have her, after her episode airs, share something with you guys about what she does because we talked about her story, um, but, you know, more about what she does and how amazing she is and everything oh. she gets done. 
you know. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll have all of your stuff linked up so um, that you gave me so that everybody can connect with you and, and get connected in there. And so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Inspired Women podcast. If you're a woman in search of a positive, supportive community, we'd love to have you join us. Just search the Inspired Women community on Facebook and click the join button. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends. We'll see you next week.